All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and I unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we've got Radic on the show, former CEO of Swiss, a company that was acquired for $1.67 billion and is now chairman of Lightwear Group a team investing in businesses set out to create positive societal impact. I have such respect for this man. He is kind, sincere, honestly humble through and through. And what I'm excited to share through this conversation is his fascinating mind and passion to build environments and cultures where people can really, truly do their their best work. So enjoy this chat. Really remarkable, man. Before we dive in, if you're enjoying the conversation, please give us a little love wherever you're listening with those lovely stars or a written review. And as you know, this podcast would not be possible without the support of Keo, our daily reflection app. All of these awesome guests end up in-app to guide you through your daily reflection. So take it for a spin. It's in the Apple App Store. All you have to do is search KYO. And as always, make sure you have the absolute best day yet. So who are you? That's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> Just to try who, who to kick we? things off in a light way. <laughs> uh, who am I? Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm here for a purpose. I'm, I'm here to, um, to leave uh, the world in a better place than, than I found it in. So um, I'm driven by that. Okay. And wh- wh- where has that come from? Has that always been a part of your, your DNA? Because you've done a lot of amazing things, right? I, I'm curious to see how that's evolved. Yeah, I, I think that uh, by following your intuition, listening to, to, to that inner voice and, and being true to yourself, uh, it becomes clearer as to, to what really makes you feel centered and right about your place in the world. So the more I've been in touch with that, the more I've followed that in business, it's, it's, it's helped me... Um, get the better outcomes, get the right outcomes. And, and I've always had this saying to myself is to take, take the higher ground wherever possible, do, do the right thing and the right thing will happen and occur. And, and it's funny, when I haven't, you know, I've, I've, it's, it's stuck with me or it's, it's kind of riddled me mentally. Um, whether it's, it's created consequence physically, it's still stuck with me mentally and it's something that you, you, you know, none of us really feel comfortable having to deal with. So, yeah. um, we're all human. We we make wrong choices, and that that's that happens all along. But you know, as long as we we can balance the ledger with more right choices than wrong, we'll be in a we'll end up in a better place personally, and and, and hopefully the world as a result. Sure, it is interesting because even even on our side, launching this business, we we I have another partner in this, um, Sine, and this has come up a couple times where in retrospect where we've we've made a decision and one of us had you know a gut feeling that maybe it wasn't the right the right path and then it just hits you right in the face right um it, it's so obvious and we've, we've consciously talked about that you know we re- we both need to be in check with that and you can't ignore it right yeah. so it sounds like you're you're definitely emphasizing that as well mm. so do you mind just sharing i mean we don't need obviously um all the full detail, but just a little bit about your path, um, 
there's been a lot that's that's taken place, a lot of exciting things. And then, you know, obviously we'll finish it off kind of where you're at now, but just, you know, provide a little bit of a, a path or journey on, on uh, your experience. So I suppose that the, the experience, experience is sort of relative and, and, and uh, gained me kind of notoriety is the experience that I've had from a business point of view. And, um, and that business journey uh, started at, um, at Village Roadshow, which is a, uh, an Australian film production um, and also exhibition or cinema um, uh, company, uh, entertainment. They do theme parks as well. And, and that, for me, was the most amazing apprenticeship. And it was, it was pretty unique working for an Australian company that had made it in a global stage. They made films like The Matrix and um, happy feet yeah, nice. um, in my time there. So so it was uh, pretty special to be a part of that and to be part of a, an organisation that was making a global impact and, and looking around when you travel, which I, I got to do a lot of travel with, with Village and, and open cinemas in places like um, the Czech Republic, um, worked in Switzerland, Germany, East Germany was uh, pretty pretty fresh at the time. Sure. And, uh, and then uh, the UK... And as well as a bit of time in the US, so it was an amazing apprenticeship, an amazing learning, and 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 and, and getting a real sense of the foundations of business. And the one thing that I did really differently there is while I was studying at university, which I was supposed to be doing a law degree, I was sort of doing a film degree instead, <laughs> alongside some uh, law stuff that was going on just to keep my parents happy. Yeah. Um, I treated my um, my work, my part time work in, in a multiplex cinema. Um, as seriously as my um, my my work at um, at university, and and I just saw it as a great opportunity to be paid uh, for to to learn. I was being paid to to learn about big business process and and the opportunity to manage people and and, and managing people that were my friends. So you you need to learn to gain their respect and and be a good guy about how you manage them so, so you continue to have a friendship outside of work as well. Yeah. So to master those sorts of things early on as an 18-year-old and different personality dynamics and so forth and to get ahead and consider my work as a, as a priority um, saw me really in a trajectory where, you know, I, I'd, I'd be in a situation where I was quite privileged where I was, you know, earning significantly significant amounts of money and also having amazing experiences like opening um, the Czech Republic um, uh, cinema circuit uh, from scratch as a 20, 25-year-old. So it was pretty pretty amazing responsibility. So um, what I quickly realised, though, a, a 27, 28-year-old was never going to be CEO of such a big organisation. Okay. And I, I needed to go and, 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 and uh, test my, my skills elsewhere. And, and if I wanted to lead um, an organisation, uh, I needed to, to choose a company that was a little smaller and perhaps something I could uh, buy into and have some equity in. And so my father's a professor of surgery, my mother's a medical scientist. And Dad's a little different. He was a, the first to, to talk about diet causing disease in conventional medical circles. Yeah. He also looked at lifestyle factors like um, uh, meditation and its effect on cancer. And this was in the 70s, so mm-hmm. he, was, he was laughed at uh, when he, he first talked about these sort of factors causing chronic disease. So I'd grown up with this backdrop of nutrition, health, and, um, and, and mum always cooking 
extraordinarily healthily for us. Yeah. Um, and, and my father being a lecturer, lecturing to me a lot about his beliefs on, on the causes of chronic disease and so forth. And I also saw what a hard time he got from the, the medical establishment. For, of course, for thinking a bit especially at that time. That's right. So yeah. it was really different thinking. So, so that really put me off the kind of going down that path. Mm-hmm. But it did drive me. It, it, saw me. it saw me go and learn the craft of entrepreneurship or business. And it saw me equip myself for uh, perhaps a different way of approaching um, wellness. And, and, um, and that, that, that became clear through meeting people that were connected to my father. And one of those was the, the, the managing director of Swiss. And they were looking to transition and grow into a bigger organization. And my skill sets really fit. Uh, what they were looking to do, so so I got on board there, and and um, it was turning over thirty million dollars, and uh, twelve years later, we were, we were lucky enough to to um, to have a whole lot of hard work pay off, and and sell that business for um, uh, over one point seven billion dollars. So it was an amazing outcome. Something sure. um, <laughs> Congratulations, I by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it was an amazing team effort. Something I always thought that we were very very capable of as a brand. And um, and yeah, we we got there. It wasn't without um, its major challenges along the way. And in fact, nine months before we sold, um, we were offered thirty million dollars for the business, and we were very tempted to take that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we didn't, because at that stage, I had fifteen percent of the business, and I had fifteen million dollars worth of debt. So I would have been very much bankrupt. And yeah, yeah, in a very different place. So it's amazing how timing uh, can be everything. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that people don't don't see or hear about, right? You you hear all these stories, but there's so much in the background going on. And to your point, I think this example, like literally in a snap of the fingers, there could have been a completely different outcome there, right? Mm. It's, mm. Uh, well, yeah, my my business partners had no debt, so they would have been wrapped to to pull out that sort of money. Yeah, and we'd gone through a roller coaster ride. Uh, but the thing that really always kept us together was an amazing culture, and that was a really important part of my transition from from village to another organisation. Is that 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 I'd have support from uh, the leadership and shareholding base that, in the fact that culture was a really important dynamic for for success, yeah, and also for for for, for sleeping well at night, um, feeling good about the place you work in and the people that work with you. Sure. I definitely want to touch on culture as we go through the the conversation. I know this is a, a topic that you have very strong um, beliefs in, and as you should, and I, I agree with those as well. So I definitely want to pull that out. Before we get there, I mean, I, I'd imagine even back in, in the cinema days, and then obviously over the 12 years at Swiss, I mean, th- there's definitely some stress there or some some high-pressure situations. And even back with, with in, in, in cinema, I mean, you're really young, right? And with some pretty big roles, like how did you, how did you manage that, that mental pressure? Like what are some of these practices that, you know, that are working, were working for you then? I, I think that I always have this, this focus on controlling the controllables. And from a very young age, I'd harp on to, to the team around me. The fact is that you really just focus on your circle of influence. Don't concern yourself with all the things that you, you can't really have effect on. And whatever's in your circle of influence, do extraordinarily well. So, um, you know, take take the opportunity that presents every moment to 
to lead or um, and, and to make a difference. And, and we, we get faced with that all of the time. It's from the moment we wake up, we, we feel what sort of mood we're in. Mm-hmm. And and things like uh, if we're not in such a good mood, we're not going to bring our best game to the workplace. So uh, from a young age, I, I always intuitively do things to help me switch into a better place. And things like music were a really important part of that. Okay. So something where I could sing along and kind of reconnect to my intuition and my, my better being and um, and bring my best to work so then I was more productive and, and, and more open to, to doing the right thing and inspiring the team around me. Um, and obviously that's a battle and you're not going to be always that way but on those days where you are down, choose to do things where you're, you're not having to, to really excite the team. Choose to just sign off some invoices, do some process-driven things that have to be done anyway. Sure. But make sure you, 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 you kind of ride the wave of the week and don't be too fixed in, okay, I have to be this way today. And, yeah, sometimes you do um, and that, that's inevitable. But wherever you can control those kind of the patterns of your, your natural mood, make sure you do duties that kind of line up with that. So, so these were all, again, things that I'd share with our team and, and keep people focused on. But also being open with one another as well and transparent about how we feel, we can actually help each other and vent a little bit and lift each other as a result of that. So, again, that was a tool from, from quite an early age where I would go for a coffee with a, a peer and we'd talk, we'd vent, we would, uh, we would share and you'd feel a lot better as a result of that and you'd come back to work in a, in a much better state. So, so these were all tools from early on that I was naturally utilising to get to a better place and, and make sure that I, I brought my best self. Sure. Uh, so, so I've worked at a few large organizations as well. And um, so I know how, how impactful culture is and also how hard it is to keep the culture in check and how fast it can, can kind of derail, right? So I'm curious from your perspective, it, it's very clear from, from your upbringing that there's some, some fundamental values there and some, some, some learning and some teachings and whatnot that have always surrounded you. But how did you bring that in and bring the team on board? Because it, it seems like it's a consistent, and we—I mean, we haven't even got into you know, Light Warrior Group and you know the the other or, uh, ventures you've got going on now. But how have you kind of continued that through your your path? I think that being real and authentic is is so key, and it's always been a part of how uh, I've, I've driven or led led businesses and. Um, and that, that's, that's been forced upon me. You know, when you, from a young age, you're, you're managing your, your mates or your group of friends. You, you, you can't be someone else to them at work yeah. to who you are outside of that. So um, that has become really natural in the way that I lead and the way I go about things. And it hasn't always been people's cup of tea either because it's pretty confronting. And then I demand that of those that, that we work with. You know, it's just bring yourself because I think that it's so hard to – to be something else and to bring a facade. It's, it, and, and so many people do this where they're, they're kind of, they suit up, they go to work and it's all for the family. Yeah. And, and this is the, that old school kind of thinking. And that, that perhaps was okay in a day and age, but it's no longer okay. It's not just about the family. It's about, it's about what you, you, you project to the world and, and everyone around you and all your relationships. And, and so people are, are waking up to this and not accepting this of their leaders. And if they're seeing a facade, they're not giving their all and, and everyone then is putting on a facade and, and as there's so much effort going into just putting on this facade that you know, getting on with the actual work 
yeah. gets almost forgotten about or secondary to that. So that I could see happen in in you know in in, in a lot of companies' trajectories that I've been in contact with, where where they're you know they're, they're, they're so big that you know they, they have these ebbs and troughs where there's this focus on the facade rather than the results, and then the results become paramount, and it's sort of it's a wrestle, it's an ongoing wrestle. Um, if you can drop that wrestle and, and get down to the, you know, getting things done and the purpose of the business, um, I, I believe we could be a whole lot more efficient and effective in how we go about doing stuff. But that's a really fine balance and it needs to be continuously managed and, and it's quite confronting and you need to have really honest conversations happening with your, all your executives and your, your key team members and you need to also demand a lot of those people in key positions of leadership. Um, and ensure that they're open to feedback and change and, and that there are regular mechanisms that are helping guide people to ensure that we, we stay on this path to being as authentic leaders as we possibly can be. Sure. Well, yeah, diving into that a little bit tactically speaking, like are there, are there any suggestions on how people can go about that path? Because I, I've seen it too myself sitting in the audience listening to a CEO talk about the vision of the company and what's coming next basically the two exact same conversations one i didn't believe a word that was coming out of the mouth and the second was i'm behind you a thousand percent right <laughs> uh which i could see would be kind of you know your setup based on everything that you're you're speaking about but then then the, then the then the conversation is complete and everyone goes back to work like how do you keep tactically that alive right or that philosophy going that's right. It's a, it's an ongoing effort, and that that second reaction is what we all strive for, and what I strive for in every business that we're involved with. And, yeah. Um, and it's a wrestle. You know, you, you you're going to have times where things are a little off, but you'd hope that that's in the early stages where you're bringing people on board and, and you're implementing a strategy that eventually gets people to to, to option two, as you discussed, sure. which should be only the, the only option. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got to accept that there's a journey to getting to that place, and that journey is created by trust and creating this uh, this this uh, track record where leaders are truly uh, accountable to, to their actions and, and to their people, and they're truly listening. So, what needs to happen is, uh, um, and and we've refined this process over many years of 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 implementing what we're talking about. And getting better at it and having, actually, to be honest with you, a whole lot of smarter people that I've hired around me tell me this is the better way of delivering what you're trying to deliver okay. on a larger scale. So, yeah. um, and, and, and this is the thing is, you know, when we were a lot smaller, it was a lot easier for me to implement and have that relationship that you're talking about where everyone's engaged and driven by purpose. But as you get larger and larger, you need to hire a whole lot of people. And, and you, you know, and generally I'd always make sure that those people were, were either friends or friends of friends, uh, peers, okay. people trust, and people I knew, uh, and 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 they had a, some empathy and understanding as to um, the fact that I'd demand that sort of openness in a relationship as a friend. So, um, which is a bit counterculture to what the West does traditionally. We're not encouraged to hire those sorts of people. But hey, we spend more time at work than any other relationship, so we need to be in an environment that we feel comfortable with. And why wouldn't we have our friends there and, and family even? These are people that we, we, we you know, we, we need, we will be able to handle 
with more accountability than anyone else because you can cut to the chase and, and, and um, get to the, the core of things. And look, yeah. as you get bigger, that gets harder and harder to do. So you need to be more measured in the way that you bring on people and have more clarity as to what, what are the values of the organisation and making sure that those values, you have examples that people can easily connect with. So they get tangible understanding as to what the expectations of them are to deliver on the culture or deliver on the relationships that we expect within the organization. Okay. So part of delivering that is having a communications plan. And like you talk about that CEO presentation, that might be one step in that communications plan. Um, but then you'll have other steps where maybe that CEO is writing something X amount of times per, per year or per month or depending on, on uh, the issue. Uh, that generally uh, determines how many times things need to be communicated by X people. And then you also need a whole communication tree that sits with the CEO, with their executives, and then the executives with the rest of the team beyond that. And, and, and that, 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 that communication plan needs to have some centre on what is the business plan and then also what is the culture plan. And both of those uh, pieces, the culture and business plan, are as important as each other and they need to be regularly workshopped and brought up to date as dynamically as what a business plan is usually, which is usually every three to six months, 12 months for some companies, but it was three to six months generally in, in ours. And it would be tweaked, but along with that, it would be tweaked alongside the culture plan. And a lot of decisions we'd talk about, uh, we would be referencing things in the culture or in our values before we would make a decision on the business side of things. And then all of that would then be cascaded through conversations in that communications tree that I just explained. And now the key thing around a communications plan is that everyone signs off on that. Okay. Just like everyone signs off on a business plan, the culture plan, um, the communication plan needs to be signed off. So there's an agreed amount of, of comms that go on. So people understand, well, hang on, we've signed off to this level of communications. I need to tune in. And, and I always liken this tuning in as, you know, I, I, the person I love most in this world is my wife and she tells me that I don't listen to her. We, we had that conversation this morning. It was just her and I in the room and I'm not listening to her. Um, and that, that probably took me two, two times, took her two times for her to get through to me to say, okay, now I'm listening. I'm hearing what you're saying. We'll do it. What, sure. do, do it the way you want it to be done. Now, that's the one I love most in my life. So at work, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that sort of love. Yeah. Um, and it'll probably take you 10 times to get a message across. So we do need to repeat. Yeah. We do need to have mechanisms in place and permission to repeat a few times to get a message across. And I'm sure we've all felt that way at work yeah. where you're not being listened to. Well, I'm not sure it's don't take it personally. It's just a human trait is we do need to hear things a number of times mm -hmm. before it resonates and connects and we actually take action. So those, those three mechanisms have come out of refinement and out of working out a way to, to get through. And so, you, for instance, for, from our culture point of view, it needed to live our values and it needed to live who we were as an organisation. And, and part of that was we're, we're an organisation that were driven by making people healthier and happier. Yeah. So we needed to make sure our environment was as happy and healthy as it possibly could be. But that also then was accountable to, to results. And every time we just focus on the healthy, happy part, uh, without it being linked back to results, it would be taken for granted, unfortunately. So, okay. um, so there's this fine balance of keeping it commercial but also giving people great benefits for, for being part of what we do and, yeah. and, and being authentic about that. 
Um, and so as a leader too, we would implement things that, that were pretty cost effective, uh, like meditation. And, um, and, and th- this would be activity that, that I would practice every day. Um, and I really only, uh, I mean, I'd been exposed to it many times throughout my youth. And um, I was lucky enough to, as a child to go to creative dance and, and, sure. um, and Japanese ink brush painting and, and yoga. Oh, um, I, was, I was pretty unique at school when, when I mentioned that. But anyway, yeah. so by about 12 years old, I dropped off um, and did karate, um, but yeah. which again had meditative aspects and, 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 and about right um, mental states and, and, and brain states and conscious levels. So, so there's always been this eastern, eastern thread in connection to, to that, and I tried to go back to mindfulness. It didn't really work for me. Uh, but I found um, uh, an app called One Giant Mind and a coach yeah. through that who was extraordinary. Um, and, and we, we invited Johnny in to, to train our team as well. And, and it wasn't for everyone, but it was surely it was, surely was great for a huge percentage of our organisation where we had 60 to 80 people meditating um, every day at yeah. 3 p.m., which is fantastic. And, and these, this is a really cost-effective way to bring the team together and have people acting more conscious and, and we actually measured this being an organization of science and, and and focused on nutrition and wellness outcomes we actually did an independent clinical trial on those that were meditating and those that weren't and really and and we actually found uh significant changes in people's emotional intelligence as a result of taking part in meditation every day and that's massive because you know all of us have been told at one stage or another we need to improve our eq and yeah. Where do I start? How do I do that? Sure. Well, if you can meditate every day and that's a step towards it, what a fantastic tool. I agree. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll share a personal story on that. I mean, I, I actually used one giant mind before this call. The, the morning over here has been a little bit wild with, you know, things going on. So I just wanted to get out of that mindset and get prepared for our chat. Um, it, it, it just it blows my mind. Um, I mean, I'm in it, obviously, pretty pretty deep into mindfulness and reflection and meditation, all of this stuff, because that's the that's our world. But what what surprises me is, you know, here we are again talking to someone like yourself that has done some great work, led some wonderful people, and that your world and your lifestyle is littered full of these type of practices, right? And I would say 100% of the people that I've spoken with so far in starting this journey, which is now close to 70 people, exact same thing. So it's like, how do we, because you even mentioned it too, bringing in Johnny, right, from One Giant Mind to, to your organization. Some people got it, some people didn't. But it, it's it's almost this frustration of how do you unlock these superpowers for people, right? Maybe meditation isn't the one thing for for everyone, but maybe journaling is for for someone else or you know, really listening to music, you know, pick your, your practice. It, ha- it has to work for you. But I think the important thing is that you pick something, right? And the science is there. It's, it, it's all there. So, mm. so, And I think this goes back to that kind of circle of influence thing that I talk about and choosing things that you can do to control and, and make better in your life. So one of those may have been meditation for me. Another one was to, to stop drinking for 18 months. Uh, which I did sure. during pressure times, which was another controllable because knowing that I was under a little bit more stress, I generally drink a little more than what was necessary because okay. I was a bit more stressed. Yeah, um, and I was trying to numb the kind of the, the thought process around um, all the tangibles that could happen. So there yeah. was that, 
Then there were things like choosing to go for a walk every morning with our dogs, sausage dogs. So it wasn't a strenuous walk, but it was a walk amongst trees and yeah. it would go for, for about an hour with my wife sure. and doing that first thing. So, you know, I was in the best possible state for our relationship yeah. and investing an hour in, in conversation and then also exercise, getting fresh air and amongst the trees was another form of meditation, yeah. another form of getting the mind state right but also making sure that things were as good as they possibly could be at home so as I could deal with the firestorm that was going on at work in the best possible state. So these were controllables. These are things that I could make a difference with. Totally relate to that. My wife asked me the other day, said, what can I do? Because she saw it's a little bit stressed. What can I do to help? And I said, just keep our little guy under control and everything's fine over here and that's more than enough, right? So 100%. (laughs) So how important is, is your morning routine for you? Uh, look, I, I think that it's 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 a real uh, privilege at the moment the way we've got our morning r- routine set up now. <laughs> sure. Well, let's talk about that <laughs> now versus before. Well, before before was highly regimented. It was early because I needed to get in to, to work early and and, and kind of yeah uh, set the mark for being there for the team. It wasn't so much the the. The, the amount of work I needed to do was it was being present and having okay. my door open so people could come and see me and and at the start of the day or the end of the day is the most important time for people to be able to do that they're out of the the trenches to say yeah. for lack of a better example yeah and and they they can see a smile on your face and there's a bit of um freedom for them to come in and talk and, and having that open comms going on is just so essential for you to be able to to manage your business. Sure. And being approachable, so um, but a morning regimen for me uh, when I was in full corporate mode and CEO would be um, up at uh, six 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 fifteen a.m. Um, going for that one hour walk uh, off the bat with my wife, um, and then. But that's key already, Radic. That yeah, like just that alone, right? You think of the I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably alarmingly high that. I mean, you're getting up and going for a one-hour walk versus someone literally reaching over to the side of their bed and checking email at that time. That's right. Right? Yeah. So, that's that's it's key. That's a big difference. <laughs> Correct. So, straight into that and then definitely checking email after uh, we're finished that. But Fair. rain, hail or shine, we, we would be um, we'd be out for that walk. And um, and then, um, yeah, then it would be about getting myself into the frame of mindset for work. And um, having a healthy breakfast, and generally that would be a a, a yogurt um, with a, a mixture of um, of of goodies that that my wife would mix uh, mix up, which was fantastic. I actually love doing that. Your wife. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we'd share that and have a quick conversation, and um, I'd generally head into work. Uh, and and three and and then three of those days it wouldn't be a work it wouldn't be a walk because on weekends I'd walk as well. Three of those days would be in the gym as well. So okay. we had a gym at work and we had a trainer there, and I'd train with a group of uh, team members um, from from Swiss, and yeah. and and we'd, we'd get stuck into it together. So it was a great way to kind of start the day with a bit of team building with people you wouldn't normally uh, have much time with at work. Um, you'd, you'd be working out with, which was great. So. Sure. So that was the kind of starting process. Then after the workout and all after the gym, I'd like to meditate when I was at work, um, which would be at about eight thirty or eight o'clock. And my office was really uh, quite visual. It was as you walked in, big windows, um, okay. so everyone would see me on the on the couch, looking like I was falling asleep. But 
meditating uh, deeply. So practicing yeah. the, the walk. That's and, so powerful and, though. I, yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, just yeah. that alone sets a culture. Right? Yeah, look, it was a great, it was great and it was confronting for some. And I had executives that would start with our business and say, this guy's crazy. You can't meditate your way to profit. And, and they, they didn't unfortunately work out that well for us, but that's yeah. okay. Um, but, but, you know, and the other thing I'd do at the end of the day is either it was always aim to meditate in the office. I couldn't do the three o'clock one. It was just too busy for me to get, a, get out for that, but I'd be doing it towards the end of the day. Okay. And, and again, that same tone of letting people know that I'm, I'm meditating quite publicly was, a, was a, again, a powerful mechanism in letting people know that I'm trying to do my, my best to bring my best self for the team. Love that. Th- thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, that's a powerful one because I'm just thinking back of all the, the different jobs that I've had. And if I would have seen that of some of our leaders, I mean, immediately that, that changes a it provides a whole other perspective, right? It does. It's, it's, it, it, give, it makes us makes people a little more real, and, yeah. and that, that's 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 the key is is being authentic and showing that we're really human. Um, and so now now my life is is quite privileged. You know, we, we Helen and I wake up and we, we meditate first thing, okay, um, and um, and then we, our, our workouts kind of change to to later in the day, sure, <laughs> which is which is great, and we do that together. Um, with a trainer, and and generally my, my my day is is sharing a cup of tea with my wife and and just talking about what's up and how we're going to do things and, and and we we may take the dogs for a walk but it's not as essential now that we spend most of our time at our farm so um, we're at the farm and then then I start to roll into um, a lot of phone conversations, a lot of conversations like this. Sure. Um, we have now over 12 businesses we're invested in. So okay. I'm regularly checking in on each of those or have a board meeting for one of those um, that I need to part- partake in. And um, and I have a regular schedule of one-on-ones, whether that's over the phone or face-to-face um, with, with people that are in those businesses. I'm also part of five not-for-profits um, and, oh, nice. and their boards. So... I spend a lot of time on those, and that—that's really what excites me most—is is being able to give back. I'm in the privileged position where I can do that. That excites us, and that's what we want to do. And, and I'm really passionate about helping my wife's vision come together, which is Light Folk, which is a village, um, a wellness what, and health sorry? Light Folk. It's a Light Folk, yeah. Okay. Um, and and that's a village. So the Light Warriors, where the warriors fighting for the Light Folk. And, oh, love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my wife um, said to me, you're my light warrior when she fell in love with me. So I had to go with that name as our name of our investment organization. Sure, sure. Um, and, and so then we came up with light folk and, and we're, we're all about bringing more light to the world um, and, and the warriors are actually providing for the folk. So, <laughs> so, so and part of light folk's vision is to bring together this wonderful vi- uh, village um, where we, we, we're bringing experience to people, experience um, – in, in integrative medicine, so we'll have integrative medical center there. Uh, we'll also um, have 40 rooms where people can escape. Um, mm. It faces onto National Park, so people can take hikes and connect with, with nature. It's a not-for-profit. We're connect, we're, we've done it in partnership, too, with the National Parks, which, which will be a first for Australia. Um, and also there'll be a, 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 a restaurant there, which will all be about conscious eating. Um, but will be unique in the fact that you know if you're 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 a lady and you want to check in and 
and power down through yoga, meditation, and, and perhaps some day spa activities. You could do that, but if you're you're a man and you want to you want to go with your partner, you, the man may be able to go out fishing, catch a fish, and then learn how to cook that fish, so, um, cool. or, or or go and play some golf, or go do some horse riding along with their partner. Um, so so it'll be a bit of a broader range of activities, just to again connect with a, a much broader population rather than just the a population that's just focused on pure or you know wellness we need to make sure that we're really approachable and we broaden this and introduce wellness to a much bigger scale of people yeah so so our first village should open in, in a, a couple of years it's it's, it's it's a labor of love um, but that's something we love uh, spending a lot of time on and talking about how we're bringing that vision together well, this is super exciting. I mean, it really resonates, obviously, with uh, some of the things that we're trying to do with with Keo, because it. I think you nailed it. I mean, there's there's definitely a group of people out there that are very much into wellness and for whatever that word means, right? And yoga and this, all of that. But then there's the other ninety percent that are interested, but they don't know how to get going or get started or like, where do I go? It's not for me. Is it for me? You, you know, then you've got all the perceptions and stereotypes. So it sounds, it sounds like this is a great solution to, uh, to, to help that cause. And, th- and that's what we're trying to do too. Even just interviewing people like yourself, right? I mean, let's, let's get your story out there and show that, I mean, almost 90% of the conversation we've had is around, your practices, right? It, it, it all ties into the incredible work that you've been able to, to, to do in, in the business world, but it all stems from you. That's right. So, right. Mm. So That's I think awesome. that this, this um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is the thing is we, we won't be, there will be the retreats there, but you'll be able to go and visit day to day and you'll be able to go and just have a taste and not, not have to dig in and commit. Um, to, to four or five days, you can go and spend an afternoon and you might do a pottery class or, or just something again yeah. that makes us more conscious or, or connect with animals and, and, or learn about the forest and, and the sorts of herbs and, and foods that we can forage from the, the forest and so forth. So, okay. so just activities that bring us back to, to being conscious and a little bit more aware of what we can do with our hands. Yeah. So I'm assuming First Village is going to be in Australia. Yeah, it's 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 in Red Hill, which is a pretty um, magical place, an hour south of Melbourne. So okay, yeah. and then is there uh, thoughts of if the first village works out to expand the village? Definitely. I mean, we we would love to to sort of go hand in hand where Light Warrior does a hotels uh, in, in 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 capital cities, and and then Light Folk is the the kind of retreat version um, outside of major capital vi- uh, cities. So. Um, Light folks, the first step, uh, Melbourne, and and, and and then we will look to, to branch out to, to new cities. And, sure. Um, and, and we've got some exciting investments that we're, we're looking at for uh, that will emulate uh, what we're doing in, 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 um, in Red Hill um, and, 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 and do that in other parts of Australia and then eventually internationally as well. So we're really excited by where we're going to take of course. the whole venture. Well, open arms <laughs> here to Canada. <laughs> yeah, we, we love Canada. So yeah. we were lucky enough to, to go to um, to Vancouver for the Olympics. And that was oh, nice. And, and I've spent time in Montreal and Vancouver and Victoria Island. So it's a big Sure. Place. Yeah. Great. 
Well, we've talked a lot about your practices. I'm just trying to, normally I jump into that a little bit more specifically, but um, you've definitely covered off uh, a lot of those questions. The one thing I did want to ask you, I mean, f- during your path, so there's there's the, the cinema, there's obviously Swiss, then you get into uh, everything that you're doing now. Like what's been, in your mind, the, the consistent aspect of, of, of all of that because they're different industries, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, the the most consistent aspects being people and managing okay. people and and um, and learning about people and and what drives them and what gets them excited and and accepting that we're all really different. Uh, however, if we, we if we find purpose, we be, can be can become all aligned and and we all have different ways of approaching delivering on that purpose. Um, but that's a great thing. That's how you you will ensure success by accepting that and and yeah. and cultivating that actually and encouraging differences and encouraging different cultures, different perspectives, different viewpoints, um, and then bringing them together around a purpose and delivering that. Um, it, it can be so inspiring and, and so inspiring for others that join and be part of that. I, the the most um, satisfying thing I've have happened to me along the journey is so many people say to me that particularly their partners, um, that they've become much better people as a result of working in the organisation that we, 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 we are and were. Um, and so, so that, that, that's having an impact and, 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 and making people kinder. And, and that, that's where I think that business needs to go to is that um, playing their part in society is, is, is essential and the health of our society and, and making people feel that way should be the number one aspiration of every organisation. I agree. I mean, not not to go too back, uh, too far back in the conversation, but I think you know when you brought up the fact that the business plan and the culture plan has to be at the same balance or the same level and signed off in the same way. That I mean, to me, that resonates so so high because a lot of people talk about the culture plan, right? And it's it's a lot more of a lip service than than anything. It's when it actually, to, to your point, is actually being imp- implemented and is everyone sees the same kind of priority of value of that, of that plan. And I can see, I can see how that, where the results would come from there, right? So that's awesome. I mean, I was going to ask you what makes you smile about your work, but I think you, I think you've definitely answered that. <laughs> So thinking back, I mean, one of the things uh, with with Kia, we we always want to grab the questions, right? Some powerful, reflective questions from from our guests, and that's included in the app um, and everything else we do to try to stimulate reflection. Um, so, what are maybe two or three, or l- let's try to go for three, if if possible, um, three questions that you see popping up in your life that you ask yourself on a, a frequent basis or during big kind of life-changing or business events? Yeah. So for me, time's my pre- most precious asset. So it's about constantly reviewing how I'm spending my time and whether that time is being spent with people that inspire me um, or on in, in, in businesses or topics that are helping me grow and become a better person. So... For me, it's constant review and re-evaluation of those relationships. And, and if that's not happening, you know, why isn't it happening? And me looking inwardly yeah. to ensure that, you know, I'm projecting the right things to ensure that, you know, we do stay on track. So rather than with 
blaming those around me. It's actually looking inwardly and say, well, what have I done to create this and taking responsibility for it? So, so those are the hard questions I continue to ask myself that continue to keep me focused. Okay. How do you, cause that, that, that's a great point on like, how do you balance the inter- interactions of with people that are inspiring you, but at the same time, you, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're having this conversation. This is essentially giving back, right? How do you balance that? trying to give back and, and, and share your wisdom and teaching others as I'm sure people did for you, right. As you're going through your, your path. Well, it, I think that every interaction is, is always an opportunity to, to LGI or learn, grow and improve as we used to call it in our oh, culture nice. plan. Back in the days, I've still got some of those sayings that have stuck with me. Um, <laughs> so, so every opportunity is, is an opportunity to LGI and become better. Uh, and the reason why we say LGI is it puts a smile on your face. It's a bit dorky and it allows yeah. us to talk about how we can improve. So, um, so, um, so yeah, so look, from my point of view, interactions like this or any interaction in life, uh, it's, it's always give and take. I, I gain so much from just having a conversation like this where, you know, it, it helps me evaluate where I'm at and also helps me um, – create greater clarity around the messaging and the way I'm going about things. And I'm still working out how this is all going to, you know, my personal culture plan, my personal business plan mm. and my personal comms plan and what that's going to look like. And as I said to you, it takes two or three years to settle that into a, a new business. And this opportunity now where I'm across so many different businesses and it's across so many not-for-profits, it's a new business to me Okay, and it requires a new strategy and it requires rethinking. So part of this journey is about listening and, and, and um, engaging with those that come up along that journey and those that come up through people that you respect and love and and all of these, all of the things that are around me have happened as a result of connections I've had along my journey of life. So now it's about resetting, now it's about talking uh, about where I'm going and, and how I'm thinking about that. And I'm sure I'll have a, a crisper, cleaner way in explaining it over the next couple of years um, and I'll get better and better at it um, sure. if I'm aware of it and consciously talking about it. So, yeah, thank you for for, for this opportunity just to, to talk, talk about what's happening and talk about um, things broadly and strategically um, and, and how I'm considering things and also about the past and what's important and, what I'm going to continue to carry on with. So that's all, all, all about the journey, isn't it? It really is. Every every day. I mean, every day is a gift and we make the most of it and learn and, and just be mm. excited, smile, right? It's, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, 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 there's so many other people and other events that, you know, you can't even compare to, right? So, I mean, the fact that we're sitting here and the lights are on and we're, we can converse, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we dropped the word problems at Swiss. We, we always talked about challenges instead. Sure. We still employ that in our everyday life today because we are really privileged for the circumstance that people like you and I are in. Uh, of course. So I, I have to thank you for, for your time. And most importantly, honestly, I really want to thank you for your devotion on, on culture because I mean, I, I can only hope that through, you know, spreading this conversation through our community and, and others that it'll inspire, you know, business leaders to really take that, uh, that idea and concept a little bit further. I think it's, it's, it's definitely transitioning. You can, you can see it, but there's a lot, a lot more work that needs to be done. So 
thank you for your continued effort on your part through your journey to do that and then share all of those insights um, with us that hopefully ultimately we impact, you know, millions of lives. Well, we've got a a real responsibility as business leaders and we're we're talking about these changes that that we're seeing happening. But now it needs to go a step further. We need governments to support this and governments are talking about tax cuts everywhere globally at the moment. Sure. Which that's the numbers game, and yeah. that's that's important. That keeps us sustainable and keeps us operating as a society, and, and keeps everything functional in capitalism. But we need to use that for good. We need to think about the societal impact. So just like a business plan thinks about the numbers, we also need our governments to embrace a culture plan. And yeah, there's somewhat of that happening, but they need to connect back to the numbers, and they need to make businesses accountable to this thing. Uh, you know that's driven by numbers yeah. um, and and things won't remain as they are unless we, we, we embrace this as business leaders. So for me, tax cuts should only be given to organisations that have a great culture. And, you know, this struck me recently. I was, I, was, I was flying around the US and I flew with American Airlines and I flew with Delta. Delta is a top 100 company to work for in the US and American Airlines isn't. Yeah. And <laughs> to be honest with you, there, there's a massive difference in the attitude of the team compared to one another. Now, that's one aspect in, in a commercial, excuse me. The, this is real. Sirens out there. <laughs> exactly, they're coming for me. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so the, the, that, that is one, one aspect that I've just seen so clearly, patently, and having fly, flown both airlines for a pretty similar amount of time recently. And just the, the attitude between the two is just so different. Um, and, and you could see people happy about being in the workplace where, where people focus, where the organisation focuses on culture. Yeah. So why not governments support organisations with tax cuts that aim to be a better workplace, aim to be uh, focused on, on their people? And as a result of having happier people, we're going to have a happier society, not only a richer society financially, but a much richer society mentally as well. And, and this component needs to be delivered hand in hand. And us as business leaders need to be driving that. We don't want tax cuts unless those tax cuts are given to organisations that are providing the best possible workplace they can. I agree. Very, very well said. Last question, sir. As we sit here today, what are you most grateful for? Uh, I think the, 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 the fact that I can get up every day and, and pick and choose what I wish to do, it's, a, it's an amazing, sometimes overwhelming privilege um, that I'll never take for granted and I challenge myself to make sure I make the most of it. Well, thank you for sharing that and, and thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.